Good morning, everyone. Chad Trueblood is here from the Quincy Firefighter Service. They had a fire this morning, and uh, it wasn't caused by not having batteries in your smoke detector, but they're darn lucky they got out alive because they didn't have batteries in their smoke detector, this man and woman. And the fire was started by uh, smoking in bed, and a mattress caught fire. So we've got a whole bunch of cautionary tales today to talk about. We don't want to ridicule or, or make fun of anybody because this could happen to anybody, but we do need to be more careful. So uh, Firefighter Chad Trueblood, anything you want to say about folks who take the batteries out of their uh, smoke detectors to run their PS5 or whatever they, whatever Game Boy device they have? Not good idea, is it? No, it's not. Every time we come in here, that's something we always try to talk about is make sure that we're checking Checking our smoke detectors, checking our carbon monoxide detectors. Um, if you have taken the batteries out, make sure we get them put back in. Make sure that they are working, um, especially this time of year. Winter times when we see the increase in fires, so it's you know more important now than ever. So, well, this man and woman suffered smoke inhalation, and they had burns to their hands, you know. And frankly, I think it said in the report from uh, Assistant Chief uh, Munger that if the dogs hadn't barked and baked and awakened them, they could have literally burned to death in their bed. Because explain how this smoke inhalation works. The smoke, even if you're already asleep, the smoke deprives you of oxygen, and then you just, it's hard to wake up, even though you may start on fire. You would think, well, I'll wake up because I'll start on fire, and that will burn, and I'll wake up. Well, not necessarily. Yeah, our sense of smell doesn't work very good when we're sleeping, so we really do rely on the smoke detectors to wake us up in that case. And also, if you're already unconscious, even though you would think, well, the heat would wake me up or the fire would wake me up, not necessarily. No, no. Smoke will get you before the fire ever will. And a lot of times people do die from smoke inhalation rather than from being burned to death in a fire, they succumb long before the flames get to them. They've died of smoke inhalation. Yep, that's correct. So that's why you guys always do the search right away. And the Quincy Police Department was right there, so they had already gone in and made sure that you know everybody was out. Uh, thank God they were there probably nearby when that fire call came in because they got there before you guys did, which was great. You know, mm-hmm. all the help you can get. That's oh, that's everything. So, but anyway, this is the day we talk to firefighters and we have firefighter Chad Trueblood here. He's with his cadre of folks because they are on duty right now. So I always like to get the big questions in first because heck, you never know when they're going to get a, a thing and have to go out. But what did you bring to talk about today? I'm sure this time of year with this weather that we're going to be getting, uh, this is a dangerous time of year for uh, people because they're going to have everything plugged in, their electric blanket, their space heater. They're going to have their oven door open. All the things we're not supposed to do, people are going to do. Yep. Glad we haven't seen any snow yet today, but I fear it's coming. Um, but with the cold weather and everything coming over the weekend, especially, we're going to get some of our first you know, real cold temperatures. Um, like I said, uh, wintertime, we normally see the biggest increase in fires, and that's nationwide. You see a lot of people using alternative methods of heat sources. Um, so just make sure that we're actually you know, practicing fire safety the way we should, use our furnaces the way we should, use our ovens and our kitchen the way we should, not using them for a heat source. Um, if you've got to use a space heater, make sure it's one that is the UL listed that's got the safety switch on it. If they get tipped over, they'll shut off. Um, don't leave them unattended. Um, if you're going to bed at night, go ahead and shut them off. Don't go off and leave the room. Leave them there. Uh, make sure that you're shutting them off if you're not going to be around it. Space. Space heaters, that's the one thing they need the most of is space. Mm-hmm. So make sure they've got at least three feet from any combustible materials um, and just be mindful. 
Oh yeah, this is a, a very critical a critical time of year. I want to ask you about something else, uh, which really intrigued me. I was out at the Quincy Town Center the other day, and there were like four or five fire trucks out there. And you guys were were you teaching people how to drive a fire? Not just general people, but they had like these cones up. Was it fire fire truck? learning how to drive day or did you guys just have nothing to do so you just decide let's build an obstacle course in the in the mall parking lot and see who can get through it the fastest or whatever we've got uh, driver's training that we have to get checked off on every year uh, i'm not sure what day this was but it was probably out there doing their yearly yeah driver's I training didn't, i didn't really mean to imply <laughs> no, no. that you were having fun but i had never seen that before and i thought well they need a big space it we can be comical yeah, yeah we're trying I mean, to make sure that we don't hit any cones now it is a test. obviously there are some firefighters that are assigned to be drivers but does everybody have to know how to drive the truck? They do. Um, okay. We've got assigned drivers, but, you know, if somebody were to be off from sickness or illness, whatever the case, um, or maybe they're just taking a vacation day where we're short, um, somebody else may get bumped up into that position. Or, God, heaven forbid, if something happened at a fire situation, you have to drive the truck back and the person was in the hospital. You know, somebody's got to know how to drive it. So, wow, how hard is it, since you've done it, obviously, how hard is it to drive a fire truck? That's it's different. It's, pretty darn hard, it's not right? bad once you get used to it. Some trucks are a little more difficult than others, but uh, just kind of learning, you know, what you're used to, the size and everything, you kind of become second nature, just like driving your own vehicle after a while. Well, you got to get used to the brakes, yeah. and obviously it takes a wide turn, and uh, the good news is when you're driving a fire truck, usually you have the right-of-way. See, I could never parallel park a fire truck. Do you have to actually, I'm sure you have to back it up. I mean, how tight, do they make you fit into a tight space or do they figure? We do, especially oh, with man. our testing. And there's some calls that, you know, there's times when you really have to do that. So it, uh, you definitely rely on your spotters. So your officer and your jump guy will get out and they become, you know, your extra set of eyes that will kind of guide you to where you can't actually see those spots. So you very much rely on <clears throat> your other personnel. So that's why you use the orange cones because you don't want to run over people. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> True blood, get out and see. There goes true blood. <laughs> now, on a fire like last night, which I assume you were not on. No, I was not. Yeah, because your shift starts in the morning. Okay. So like a fire last night, it's pretty cold. It's not bitterly cold like it will be Monday night or Tuesday night, but it's it's pretty cold. You've got people that have exited from the building. They're probably in their night clothing. Uh, you've got, you know, to get all your equipment in there. Um, this was, relatively speaking, spoken to someone who's not a firefighter, pretty easy fire. It wasn't a big fl- bl- flaming thing. They just put out the mattress and a lot of smoke more than anything. But this time of year, it is difficult. And also victims, you know, it's one thing to be standing out in July in the street watching your house burn, but it's another thing to be out, you know, in your night clothing on a night like last night at 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh are some firefighters assigned to making sure that victims are taken care of, or do you let the ambulance do that, or is that EMT, or how does that work? Who takes care of those people? A little of both. Um, I mean, you know, the fire personnel are going to be the initial ones that are going to be taking care of them until that we can get a hold of the ambulance to make sure that they're up there. And then once they can over take over patient care, then we'll go ahead and leave them with them so they can get back to working at the fire scene. So when you have a response like that, firefighters and some of them are EMTs but do they respond separately or is that are they all on the same truck how does that work uh, we're all on the same trucks we've got okay. paramedics and EMTs okay so if if you're tasked with that with a victim rescue or victim rehabilitation you go to that first and then you convert back to being a firefighter after that's done yes, okay that's so you may be out for a prolonged period of time well <laughs> 
The thing about it is when we say prolonged period of time in your business, that's 30 seconds, you know. <laughs> I, I laugh about that because, you know, some people, the job they do, you know, they start a task and maybe five or six hours later they're they're done with that task. You guys get a call and you're usually there within two minutes, right? I mean, that'd be a pretty st- – what's the standard – Arrival time from call. Uh, that two to four minutes, to anything four around minutes, town yeah. is kind of typically what we're at. How does this snow? Like, did you have trouble finding a hydrant? Do you, you know, what are some of the problems you have when, when it's bitterly cold? You could have a frozen problem or you could have snow obstruction. That was another thing that wanted to bring up today, um, especially if we're going to get any of the snow that they're talking about. Um, when you're going ahead and shoveling your driveway, if you've got a fire hydrant in your yard, do us a favor and go ahead and shovel out around that because it does make a huge difference for us. You know, that's going to be, you know, look at it as your lifeline, you know, for yourself and for your house. That's going to be what we're going to rely on to get water so we can put out the fire. So if we've got a, you know, we've got our mapping systems, we know there's a hydrants here somewhere, but then trying to look for it through the snow and then having to dig it out to where we can even access it, it takes time. So one of the things you can do to be a good neighbor for yourself and for others, if there is a fire hydrant, even though it's technically not on your property, it's on the city right-of-way, go ahead and dig it out yeah, so that it's, it's visible so that everybody can see it. And also, you know, the same thing is true, we say, for postal workers, you know, dig out your, your mailbox. But also make sure that that fire hydrant, you know, if you can, just get a little bit of the street and the sidewalk and the street there cleaned out. I mean, I know it's a lot to ask people, but in a sense, you know, when seconds save lives, it's it's really important. And this time, which is worse, winter or, or summer? I mean, uh, I, I mean uh, the extreme temperatures either way can be difficult. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> the winter time just sucks. <laughs> I was going to say, because you get really, really hot inside your clothing and then you've got icicles forming on your hat. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's got to be crazy. What else did you want to bring up today? Uh, we were just going to talk a little bit about last year. Um, we just finished up, you know, 2023, obviously. We had a total of 4,146 calls. Um, the majority of our calls, about uh, 60, almost 65% was EMS calls. Um, we had 103 structure fires last year and just kind of some various others from vehicle fires, vegetation fires. We had 28. Vehicle fires were 12. Um had some other rescue calls, EMS rescue, 26, hazmat conditions, um, service calls, false alarms. You know, believe it or not, we get plenty of those, too. So the major majority that we run on are medical. And then, uh, yeah, we had uh, just shy of 4,200 last year. We is this Is this a common practice? I mean, here in Adams County, we have the Adams County Ambulance Service, and they have EMTs and paramedics. But we also have the Quincy Fire Department with EMTs and paramedics, and oftentimes you guys get there before the ambulance can. Is this something unique to Adams County where we have kind of a dual coverage, or does this happen in other counties as well? It happens in other counties as well. They're typically a little different. Um, you know, sometimes you've got a privatized ambulance service like we do here in Adams County. Others may be run by the fire service, or you may have some towns where you've got privatized and some that are run by the fire service. It just depends on you know, what you have in that area. Well, but. a lot of places, of course, have a volunteer fire department. So, you know, they also have the volunteer, a lot of them EMTs. So Quincy is very lucky because, in a sense, we have dual response. Yep, that's right. I mean, and, and so 65% of what firefighters do when that bell goes off 
is to answer an emergency medical call, not a building on fire. Yeah, that's that's kind of interesting for people to wrap their heads around. You said there were 103 structure fires last year. Is that up, down, or sideways from years past? I was wanting to check on that. I felt like this last year was a little busier with fires than what it had been in the previous years. I know they it's kind of gone. They just decide to always have them on your ship. That's why. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and I know uh, work as a fire investigator as well, so I don't feel like I came in a lot more last year than what I had in the years prior. So yeah. it seemed a little busier. Okay, but but 103. And uh, one thing we didn't really get a chance. We talked about it. We had a news story about it. But the keep the wreaths red. Uh, if it hadn't been for the first couple of days, you guys would have been perfect. But it's really hard to go over the holiday season without having any fires. But really, this last year was pretty, pretty um, safe as yeah, far as the holiday season went. Than last year. Yeah. <laughs> and again, you know, when you say you have a structure fire, that could be anything from it burned to the ground to you know we put it out and and they'll have to call you know a cleaning company. Did anybody die in a fire this past year? Don't believe so. Um, you think that would be in your notes? Yeah, I don't have that and in my notes. And you think I would I remember it? I don't remember, if, remember yeah. anything over the and, last. And we year. don't want to be callous because you know, in our business, you know, we we do hear a lot of of, of things that happen. So we it does we do happen. Um, but trying to remember, you know, whether it was last year mm-hmm. or year before, some of right. it kind of runs together. Mm-hmm. Anything else for the good of the cause? Before I let you get back to work on this beautiful day, I know the chief was saying how he wanted you guys to all go out and stand out in the uh, cold frigid freezing drizzle and shine the police or the fire trucks later on today. Yeah. Uh, no, just everybody, uh, <laughs> you know, make sure you're prepared for the extreme cold temperatures. And uh, just uh, one more quick note just from us in the Quincy Fire Service is, uh, you know, our thoughts and prayers go out with the Quincy Police Department uh, and everything over the last few days. Um, you know, we're, we're definitely there thinking about them. Yeah, and that is scary because you guys often respond, too, like you said, with your EMS. When people start shooting... They don't care who they hit, do they? So it's it's something that when you started being a firefighter, did you ever think about things like that, Chad? I mean, was that something that I mean, you worry about being hurt and injured in a fire. Is this something now that new firefighters coming onto service that they understand that there are people who don't care as long as you've got a blue uniform or some kind of uniform on, they're going to take a pot shot at you? It, it gets talked about. It's kind of in the back of your mind, but it still just becomes this uh out of reach thing you think that won't happen to you but uh yeah i mean it's definitely definitely a topic that gets talked about well again our thoughts go out to the quincy police department especially that officer uh, two tragedies really the officer that was shot that will have to recover but the other officer who was forced to take a life and we don't know if it was you know suicide by cop or what the situation is we'll find out more details as that becomes available but yeah uh, it definitely changes your life, just like you guys. It changes your life when you go on a call and somebody passes, or somebody's critically injured, or, or you know, it's always heart wrenching uh, whenever somebody's home burns to the ground. You know, that's that's a pretty life changing thing for people to happen. So that's not something you recover over in just a day or two. Well, be safe, everybody. Clean out your, get your fire hydrants all figured out. And the other thing is, know where the fire hydrant is by your house. Yeah. You know, <laughs> just in case. I mean. You know, if you've got to be out of your house standing there waiting for the fire to respond, you know, you could be standing there by the fire hydrant <laughs> saying, right here, hook it up. Thank you so much and be safe. All right. Thanks for having me. Okay. Sarah Russell's in the green room. We'll talk to her in just a moment. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. It is 935 and we are back and we're going to talk today about a happy event, a festive event. Sarah Russell is here and there's going to be a banquet coming up, I believe, on 
Uh, it's a sad the first Saturday night in February. The third is it the third? It is February third. Okay, 3rd. and uh, Chuck and Becky Schultz and their entire family are going to be honored as the family of the year. And so, uh, Sarah, first of all, introduce yourself to us. Tell us about the organization you represent and a little bit about the mission of that organization. Yes, so I work for the Quincy Catholic Elementary Schools Foundation, and our primary focus is to raise funds to help provide tuition assistance to families um, who might need a little bit of extra help to be able to send their kids to Catholic school. Um, And that is open to anyone, Catholic or not, so tuition assistance is for everyone. Um, And our organization really is focused on supporting families and supporting our Catholic schools to make sure that Catholic education remains viable, remains successful for many, many years to come. Before we get into the Schultz family and and why they're being honored and and such, I do want to comment on that because I volunteer uh, usually on Wednesdays. Uh, they keep having no school. I know. <laughs> but um, uh, I usually volunteer on Wednesdays. And one thing that's really shocking to me, you know, because out of a class of 22 kids, like 15%, 20% of the kids in the class aren't Catholic, yet their parents are sending them to Catholic school. And so for some reason, they've made the decision that they want to go that route because we have a great public school system we here, do. obviously. Yeah. Uh, but Catholic school offers something just a little bit different. And it's nice to know because, you know, private school, you think, oh, well, uh, uh, to get in, uh, it must be so exhaustive, the the primary process, all the, you know, the applications. It really isn't hard to get into the Catholic elementary schools. You say, hey, I'd like my kid to go to school here. And within reason, if they have room and space, the answer is yes. Yeah, we open our doors to anyone and everyone. Um, Certainly, we want to make sure it's a good fit, both for the school and for the family, and that's regardless of your religious affiliation. Um, But yeah, we do have a a varying percentage at each of our buildings of students who are of a different faith. Um, And we love that we have that type of diversity within our classroom. Um, We also love the opportunity to share our faith with others who are coming into the building. So we definitely see it as a win-win for all families. Um, As you mentioned, QPS is a strong option. Um, But we like that in this community, we have multiple strong options for families when it comes to education. So Catholic elementary schools are are so critically important as a feeder system into our high school. Um, How how would you um, ask? How do you ascertain the strength of the elementary schools? Um, How is their enrollment? How is their financial status? Just give us a general, you know, maybe top three points, you know, academically, Uh, financially and enrollment-wise? Enrollment-wise, we are staying relatively steady. We did see a tiny bit of an increase this year, but steady is good. We will always take steady. Because we have declining population. We do, and that is certainly something that we are looking at um, consistently is is lower birth rates and what that means five, ten years down the road. Um, You know, we see many of our students who go on to Quincy Notre Dame. It's a lot easier to track successes there, certainly, Um, and graduation rates through QND are... 100% almost every single year. We have our students then who are choosing to go on to post second or to to get a a post high school degree, whether it be you know a bachelor's on to master's or further, or to get some certifications to go into the workforce. So, um, you know, we find that the elementary school is really what's laying the foundation then for um, a focus on continuing through um, on choosing life paths that are going to be successful for that student and that you know young adult as they move into later years in life. 
academically, I would call it college prep. Whether you choose to go to college or not, yes. it's totally up to you. But definitely at the Catholic elementary and Catholic secondary high school, it's definitely a college prep curriculum. In other words, the students are expected to perform to that standard. Obviously, not every child will be wants to go to college. Right. Not every child is could go to college. Uh, either for financial reasons or maybe they don't want to go or maybe academically they're just a little bit behind the bar. Again, you don't really exclude any students. So if there's a student who, you know, it can't be like Wobegon. All the kids can't be above average. Right. Yeah, yeah somebody sure. said to me one time, well, the kids at Notre Dame are smarter. I said, no, they're not. But their parents are paying, you know, at the time for me, 5000 mm-hmm. now it's seven or what. If your parents are paying $7,000 for you to school there, you do your homework. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know. It's an investment. I mean, for you sure. know, it's yeah. not that the kids are smarter. Uh, they're the average child from the average gene pool. <laughs> yeah, we, we have kids at, at all levels within our buildings. And, and have special education plans, I'm sure. We are, you know, part of what we're working on, and this could take us down a totally different rabbit hole, but we are as um, in the midst of forming a Catholic school system. You know, right now we have four individual elementary schools, um, and we have a board that is now working on bringing our four schools under one umbrella. Um, and part of the hope of that is that as we work together, not only are we strengthening financially, we are able to provide more services to a broader base of students, Um, whether that means we're helping those that are underperforming, but also for those who are above the average who don't right now have as many. Right. You know, and then there are also other opportunities in performing arts and sciences that if we are all together and working together, we're going to be able to provide a, a much broader spectrum of opportunities for our kids. Well, I do want to go down that route rabbit hole, but not right now. Yes. Uh, but, That's you know, a whole other interview in and of itself. It might have to be. We'll, we'll touch on it briefly before yeah. we go. But um, first, we're going to take a break. We're going to check out the farm markets, and then you're going to extol the virtues of the Chuck and Becky Schultz family. That's right. Yeah. We only have probably 10 minutes to do that, so it's going to be a we'll tight squeeze, but you'll have to talk fast because they are a pretty darn wonderful family, and they're being honored, and we're going to learn all about that. But first, let's head up to the Ursa Farmers Cooperative to see how those farm markets are doing today at 941. Stay tuned to WTAD, and we'll have that on. Sarah Russell is here, and uh, she is one of the people in charge of raising money to keep our Quincy Catholic Elementary Schools going strong. And one of the things that they do every year is they honor uh, a family or an individual with the Friend of Catholic Education Award. And this year, the uh, Chuck and Becky Schultz family has uh, been selected for that. And, of course, every year the winner is very deserving. But let's talk a little bit about uh, what the Schultz family has done, because both Chuck and Becky, probably back to their parents, grandparents, Mm -hmm. maybe even Mm great-grandparents, have been supporting Catholic education. And now they've got their own kids and their grandkids supporting Catholic education. So it's it's multi-tiered. It's like, really, they stretch back and they stretch forward. Yeah, and that really was what we talked about as a board. That's what is so cool about their family. And certainly there are other families in the community who are, are similar. Um, but we know that it is generational. We see our faith as being generational. It is our duty to pass down the teachings of the faith. It's no different in, in this situation. The Schultzes have 
long been supporters of our Catholic churches, our Catholic schools, and we've seen it for many, many generations. Um, and we know that that's how we are going to continue to succeed is if we continue to pass down our love of our parishes, our love of our schools. And so we really wanted to honor all of the years of dedication, support that they've provided and all of the generations. How can we get tickets to this banquet, and what's going to happen at the banquet, and when is it? Give us all that kind yeah, of... Yeah, it is Saturday, mm-hmm. February 3rd. Pray for good weather. It's always a little <laughs> bit risky to have it in February, um, but it's February 3rd. It's held at the Atrium Hotel. Um, we start with a, a social hour from 6 to 7, and then at 7 we do dinner and a program where we honor um, honor the Schultz family. Um, and part of that program will include a video, which is one of my favorite things. We get to sort of take a walk down memory lane with the people who've known our recipients and hear um, about their impact. And, and through that process, we always uncover so many other things that we didn't even realize. Um, and so um, it's just a wonderful evening. Tickets are available at quincycatholicschools.org. Um, or you can call the foundation office. That's 217-779-3157, 217-779-3157. Um, and we can get you set up with a ticket. We'd love to have people come. Um, we know that the community is obviously very familiar with the Schultz family. They're involved in far more things than just our, our Catholic schools. Um, and so it'll be an, a fun opportunity to celebrate them and recognize them, especially because they're they're the kind that don't like to be recognized. And mm-hmm. those are always my favorite people to recognize. Well, um, I'll be greatly surprised if Becky Schultz even shows up. Uh, she's so shy. Of, I, <laughs> of any kind you of know, I intentionally went to Chuck with this. Uh, I was going to uh-huh. say, I did. Um, you know, and and I guess that's really one of the great things is so many people do so much. Not only not expecting recognition, but really, if they had it, they would refuse recognition. Yeah. So we're glad Chuck is dragging Becky along. I, she, yes. is, she is critically important. She does so, to the whole so thing. much. Yes. Chuck, gets, Chuck gets the attention because he's the natural politician. Mm-hmm. He's the speaker. He's the lawyer. He'll be the first one to say, I couldn't do anything. I would be nothing without the love of my wife, you know, yes. and her support, her constant support. And so really, when you talk about a Catholic family, when you talk about any family, everybody has a role to play. Yes. And uh, every family that is successful, uh, it's because the, the parents, the in-laws, the husband and wife, the children, everybody is pulling, the, the team's all pulling in the same direction. Yes. And that's certainly the case with the Schultz family. They've done so many things um, for St. Peter especially, but for our other schools as well. Um, One of the most notable things that they have done in recent years is um, they helped establish the STEM lab at St. Peter in memory of Jake and Becca's son. Um, And so that's been a tremendous asset to St. Peter um, and certainly something we hope we can expand to other schools in the future. And if I can share this, because Chuck's a regular guest on my show, Mm -hmm. and um, when Jacob and Becca, when Jake and Becca lost that son, um, Chuck said, you know, how tragic it was, of course, and what a what a sad event, but what a beautiful affirmation of the Catholic faith's life begins at conception and has value all the way through yes. because that baby was held and loved and never knew anything but complete and total adoration and love and was from mother and father's arms up to Jesus' yeah. arms. And... You know, these are value systems that I find it ironic, and I'm glad for it, but, you know, the public schools have got these house system now, and they've mm-hmm. got the seven habits of highly effective people. The public school system has to disguise moral value teaching instead of saying, here are the Ten Commandments, 
Here's a few good books. One's called the New Testament. One's called the Old Testament. Read it. Follow the directions. They have to disguise all that in the guise of, you know, this other stuff, mm-hmm. which is the same thing. Be nice to people. Be kind. Right. Be prepared. Love your neighbor, you know, love your neighbor yeah. as yourself. They can't say that, though, because they're a public school. And I'm glad they're doing that because yeah. let's face it. And anybody who says, now, Griffith, come on, the kids that graduate, and you were one of them, from St. Dominic's or Notre Dame have faults. Yeah. (laughs) We're not poor. We don't have little halos over our head. (laughs) We have our same problems, too. I guess the difference is, from the beginning, they're steeped in this value system, whether they obey it or not. And let me tell you, second graders don't always do what's right. I witness it every week. Oh, surely not, Mary. But they're told (laughs) that this is the way they're supposed to behave, and this is why. Yes. The why behind that is such a critical thing. We get to say in Catholic school, the why is because Jesus and God created you for a purpose to love and be loved, whereas the others have to say why is because it'll make you a good citizen or whatever. And, you know, again, I hats off to them for doing the workaround, because I remember when the seven habits of highly effective people came out, I said, excuse me. This is just the seven com- this is just the ten commandments yeah. condensed into a seven thing form. You know, it's everything that they teach you moral value wise. So it is nice that we have in our public school and in our parochial schools that they're teaching kids there's a why behind why you do things. Yes. You don't just not murder people because somebody told you to. Right. You know, yes. there's a reason you don't do that. Yes. There's a reason we do things and and uh, instilling in people so that when they have tough choices to make in their life or when they lose a child. You know, I can't imagine, I've never had children, I can't imagine what Jake and Becca had to go through when they lost that beautiful child. I can't imagine. Mm -hmm. But as Chuck said to me, the father, the grandfather said, how could we have any of us coped if we didn't have a faith? Yeah. You know, I mean, everybody has trials and struggles in their life. And that's the thing. You see all these people. You're like, oh, well, you own a big manufacturing company, or, oh, you are this, or, oh, you are that, or, oh, your life's just an easy road. No, it's not. Everybody has these little mountains that are molehills, but get into mountains that are put in front of them. And the way we react is uh, is how we go on to lead our lives and be that that role model that the Schultz family has become. Yeah, and... Being a product of Catholic education myself and why I choose it for my kids, that's one of the, the main reasons is we are giving them the seeds that will then grow as they as they get older, that will create a foundation that they have they have something to turn back to and they know what it is and why. Um, they know why they were created and, and hopefully as they continue to grow deeper in their faith and as they continue to grow as, as individuals, that just flourishes. Yeah, Catholic guilt... Well, that's really something wonderful, because I tell you what, getting people, uh, grown-ups, too, to feel bad about something is the first step to repentance. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, if it's like, well, I shouldn't have done that. I broke, uh, you know, house rule number three. It may not have as much guilt as I may burn in the fires of hell. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, there is some truth there to that. There is some truth to that. So uh, if you really want that good guilt that only a parochial school education can instill in you, send your kids whether they're Catholic or not. But I do love to share stories, too, because I'm in the schools all the time. And I will say, like, um, you know, we have so many kids that go to, you know, the school I volunteer at that are not Catholic. And one little girl turned to me and she said, uh, I'm not Catholic. I said, that's okay. God loves you. Yeah. God loves you. He doesn't care. 
You know, he does not care if you're Catholic or not. He loves you and he he wants the best for you and he wants you to behave a certain way and he loves you. Yes. And uh, I think a lot of times people think that, you know, maybe 200 years ago there was, it wasn't really a doctrine or dogma, but there were some people who thought, well, you know, that there's a big barrier between, you know, religions. You know, Mm -hmm. they're teaching we're the only right way, you know, we're the only one true way and all this. So why would I want my child to be involved in that? But that has relaxed a little bit, you know, and every, we understand the, the all-encompassing power and love of God for every child. Right. Of course, if you are instilled in those Catholic values, you know, I do hope that people will embrace that. Just the other day, Shia LaBeouf, yeah. who's a movie actor, and he played in Padre Pio, and he pretended to be a priest. Right. For about a year, and he studied about being a priest moved for a year. Moved in for with a the while, monks yeah. He's become a Catholic. Yeah. Again, I don't care what you are, but it's great if you have some kind of faith yeah, and it, some kind of activity in your life. Because, again, I don't know how you decide yeah, what to do in the morning. You know, I mean, there are times when, you know, what, did, what they used to always say, uh, a perfect act of contrition is when you're really sorry because you offended God. An imperfect act is still okay, and that's just you're scared to death. You're going to go, go to hell. <laughs> yeah. And let's face it, we've all been there. We really want to be sorry about it, really but we're more feel, fearful about it. I them. really, really want to feel really bad about what I did, but I'm still a human being. Yeah. But I tell you what, I'm really afraid yes. of your of your mercy. Have mercy on me. Please yes. don't inflict the punishment I deserve because I can't take the punishment I deserve, right. God. I right. Need the mercy. I need the mercy. You're I don't throwing. like the heat. It just turned into a catechism thing. That's really not what did. we wanted. We're going to have Sarah back, though, and talk about this. Um, and the new superintendent of the school system, how they're trying to take these parish schools, which is very difficult because each priest has a different idea. In the Bell days, each order of nuns had a different yeah. idea. Everybody's got a different physical plan. You know, uh, Quincy Public Schools just built five new schools that are like identical. You know, so mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about yours is better, mine is better. I don't know. It's, it's going to be an interesting way to go. But for now, join with the Schultz family in recognizing the Friends of Catholic Education Saturday, February 3rd at the Atrium. Tickets are what, 100 bucks a piece? $100. $100 for a seat. Uh, go to quincycatholicschools.org to order your tickets or dial this number, 779-3157. Please do that. And um, we, will, uh, we will hope that everybody uh, buys their ticket and gets there and enjoys. And you'll probably learn some things about Chuck and Becky Schultz and their family that you didn't already know. I'm sure. I'm- they're, they're considered public figures in many respects, and yet I'm sure there's a lot of things. That we don't know about them. I'm sure you know more about them now than you did six months ago. You oh, know. sure. And and again, we already talked. They're the kind that will do do the work behind the scenes and never expect the recognition. And and so those are those are the fun stories to pull out during during our dinner is to really understand the full picture of what they have done for our schools. And looking ahead one year from now, if somebody would like to at least make a recommendation for somebody to be considered, can they just call you oh, at yeah. that number and say, hey, what about this person or what about this family? Yeah, we've had people do that in the past. And, um, you know, our board every year takes a look at, at all the different nominations that are coming in from all the, the different places and, and make a decision from there. So we are certainly open to any sort of recommendation people might have. Okay. Uh, a lot of schools are, are going to be letting out early. I'm going to try. I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to try to run over to my computer real quick and and figure that out. This is going to be hysterical. Wait till you see this. You won't know what you don't you don't know what you're missing, girl. This is when you have one microphone way over there 
and another microphone way over here, and I'm going to try to do be on both microphones at one time. But first I've got to get something to come up so I can have that time. Thank you so very much for appearing today. You well, know, thank this you. Computer, if this computer actually had to work one day, I don't think it could. <laughs> I used to think I was the laziest thing around this town, but this computer has got me stifled. Well, I'm waiting to watch you start running around the studio. Oh, boy. You don't want that. You don't want that. Yeah, you don't want that. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't think I'm going to get it done. So I'll just have to say that we're not going to be able to get that done. But uh, please check uh, your website, uh, WTAD website. Please listen for Scott Hardy. Uh, many schools are dismissing early. Uh, I know Western is dismissing early. Liberty is dismissing early. Quincy Medical Group shutting it down early at Keokuk. That's what I remember off the top of my head. <sighs> no yeah. school on Monday, thank goodness, right? Wow, with those temperatures that are coming. Yeah. yeah. We'll see how Tuesday does when we have a high of like six. Those kids at bus stop. Well, the kids at bus And that could be a reason they cancel school. Yeah. You know, that's the interesting thing. It can be the roadways can be clear. My husband's a school bus driver. Oh, is so, he? Yeah. So uh, this morning, uh, when the when the call didn't come in, he Was he thinking it would? I was surprised well, it did yesterday. Wait, yesterday or the day before? Well, now I don't even know no, what they day were, it is. No, they were back. In, <laughs> no, Tuesday and Wednesday we had Wednesday. no school. Yeah, I was a little surprised about Wednesday. Well, but see the roads. Were the county roads bad? Yeah, see, that's yeah. the problem. Um, so many kids. And, you know, that's another thing that's really amazing to me. Do you have any, um, how many kids take, how many Catholic kids take the public bus? Because since they've kind of reorganized and you don't have to go to a certain school from a geographic area, mm-hmm. Like in the olden days, if you lived in a certain geographic area, you had to go to St. Peter's right. or you had to go to St. Dominic's. Now they've really kind of relaxed those rules. You can send your kid to any parochial school you want. So, you still have to live within the busing district. Okay. Um, so we do have a few kids at each school who still utilize the QPS buses, but it's a, a fairly small percentage. Yeah, it's a small percentage, whereas opposed mm-hmm. to when I was young, we all rode the bus. Oh, well, oh, yeah. You were well. I was already mapped out and yeah. in line with the district. Well, I, I mean, guess. also St. Dominic's School was not. You know, it was there was nothing out there. Right. It was kind of, it was Way out there. It was there. a farm yeah. field. Yeah, yeah. Now it's in the middle of town, so you never can tell how that's going to happen. Sarah, it's been delightful. Yeah, Thank you for coming talking in. Talking with you. Thanks for everything you've done. You've had so many jobs. I've known you in so many different capacities. <laughs> I know. Um, I make it sound like I jump around a lot. No, you don't jump. No, people want you. See, that's oh, the, well, yeah. Thank you. It's, it's, Thank you. You don't get fired and then have to look for another job. You excel, and then somebody says, hey, she's doing a good job there. Let's try to get her. Uh, real quick, uh, you or your kids involved in any theater productions coming Yeah, up? my oldest is in Matilda, so we're very excited. Okay, we're yes. going to look forward to that. Well, folks, that does it for this week on the Mary Griffith Show. Thank you very much to my guest, Sarah Rushell. Thank you to the firefighters for stopping by. Folks, please, please, please get batteries in your smoke alarm. Oh, my goodness. It's like two or three bucks. Come on. And if you don't have a smoke alarm in your home, the American Red Cross will install one for you free of charge.